previously on Wild Endeavors. The party jumps through a teleportation circle in pursuit of the silence and then Sister Kara. They find themselves in a land wrapped and concealed by shadows. While investigating a nearby mansion, the party is attacked. During the tumult, Calico Bane drew her dagger and killed an already wounded Then, As the party turned on Calico, she drugged Hans and struck a deal with Leandros. Elief drew his sword to denounce this new alliance, only to be called out by Leandros. Coming to his friend's defense, Hans drew his sword and challenged the wizard. This is the Shadows Campaign, featuring Nick Feely as the human paladin, Elief Kin. Leandros, you can't be seriously thinking about accepting her offer. Evan Chamberlain as the elf wizard, Leandros Lubicar. You failed, Helm. You're done here. You're dismissed. Adam Rogers, as the human fighter, Hans Greger. If he failed, then I failed. What say you of me? Devin Salisbury, formerly the elven thief, Theron Nilo. Man, I should go get popcorn right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good. Amy Jostino, as the tiefling rogue, Calico Bane. Sooner or later, he's going to kill all of y'all. I did you a favor. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, your DM, and the reason our party has serious trust issues. And now, Chapter 13, The House of Black. days before the death of Theron Nilo, Calico Bane walks into the terrace room of the Ten Ring Tea Room. It takes her only a moment to spot her contact, Sharkin Silvermane. Dressed in a bright orange trousers and a sky blue vest, silk shirt the color of snow, and silver shoulder-length hair swept back over his head, it's hard to miss the halfling. As she approaches, he gives her a big ham-like grin and says, did you lose your cat? Uh, no, I thought it would be better to see you in person this time. He nods and then kind of just holds up a finger to, to stop you from saying too much more. And he rummages into his pouch for a second and sets a small jade statue of a dog on the table. Dog is pretty bulky, like a, like a mastiff-type breed. It's only about the size of a wine cork. And it is sitting ramrod straight on its hind legs. And Sharkin looks at it for a moment and then gives kind of a, like a, huh. And he gestures over your shoulder, a quick finger waggle, to call a server to the table. And you are a little surprised when a few moments later, Tiberia Hine appears behind you. Tiberia is the proprietress of the tea room, and rumor among the Thieves Guild, she is also the head of NX Love, the city's preeminent shadow information brokers. Tiberia is a human and is a commanding six and a half feet tall. She wears a very conservative navy dress that blossoms at the waist into a large skirt that falls all the way to the floor. In the light coming through the trestle overhead, her brown hair almost seems to have purple highlights. In that same light, her purple eyes flash, though you quickly realize it also might be because she clearly hates Sharkin. She says, Sharkin, how may I be of service this fine day? Sharkin begins awkwardly rubbing his head, uh, just a little above the hairline, and he says, My dear Tiberia, I'm sure it was mere oversight, but 
I would greatly appreciate it if you would get rid of the listening charms around this table. And he gives his head a little uh, extra pronounced rub and then says, in fact, if it isn't too much trouble, we'd appreciate a cone of silence around the table. And for just a moment, Tiberia looks like she's about to leap over the table and kill Sharkin. But she takes a deep breath and gives him a nod and then walks away. And Sharkin gestures to you again to wait, and about a minute later, the dog statue in front of him shifts and then lays down, with its head still up, kind of like a sphinx. And still waiting, about another minute later, the, the dog's head finally lays down onto its paws. And Sharkin says, Now, didn't I tell you you shouldn't contact me? Well, yes, but I've got something that I think you really, really want to know. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Theron Nilo is in the city. He introduced himself to me almost immediately after meeting him. Really? And you're sure it's the same Theron Nilo? Well, I don't think anybody would go around using that name in this city unless it was him or had a severe death wish. <laughs> Good point. What is he doing here? He says he's looking for someone. He didn't say who exactly. I have some ideas. Where is he looking for this person? They're with the gardeners, and they're searching for the silence. Um, he's got sort of a misfit band of people with him, but he has a financier that's going to basically do anything. Interesting. Sharkin looks out and across the room, staring into nothing as he considers this. Well, uh, the last time he was in Arthamore, he agreed to help me stop the silence, and instead uh, appeared to help aid his sister in killing Duke Allard, and then he helped his sister escape. If he's seeking the silence, he's very likely seeking her again, and I'm just afraid I, I can't trust his motives towards us. He looks back at you, and in a this-could-be-a-teachable-moment kind of voice, asks, what do you recommend we do? Well, the easiest thing might be to either get them out of the city or in this once and for all and take care of him. He sits back in his chair and thinks a little bit. How long have you been working with me, Calico? Oh, well, um, I think we're going on seven years. And how long have you been with the clasp? Well, if you count the early years why I helped you guys out, 20 years. That's what I thought. I tell you this with the understanding that you you know what is best for the clasp and to know that this is not to be shared uh, even with other members of our ring. Balok has told me that between the ones that have left to join the silence and the ones who have been killed by them, we are down to maybe a quarter of our former strength. Hmm. We, we just can't afford to have somebody like Theron Nilo, who knows so much about us, running around unchecked. Do you think that you can handle him? Oh, do I? Can I handle him? Of course I can. <laughs> of course. Should be no problem. Tell me how you would do it. I don't feel uh, any sort of hand-to-hand combat's going to work with him, especially with the paladin such that he is guarding him. Poison's probably our best option. I think I might have a few ways. Well, when it comes to poison, I do trust your instincts. 
give me a little bit of time. I'll wait for the opportune moment, and I'll be done. I know it probably goes without saying, but keep the additional fatalities to a minimum, if you can. We don't need to draw any more attention to ourselves, and I would certainly hate if there was any attention drawn to you. I'll do my best. I know you will. After that, Sharkin has you stay, and the two of you enjoy some tea and biscuits. Basically just enough so it appears as if you are two normal people having some tea in the afternoon. And then, for posterity's sake, and for the sake of the listeners, let's go over a little bit of what we talked about as far as your plans for Them and this poison. Once we go back to our sleeping quarters, um, we're going to order food up to the room. I'm going to convince one of the kitchen maids using the golden root potion to put a sleeping potion in every in all the drink and food that comes up to the room. I'll have an antidote that I can take a little bit of before this all happens. And everybody else will take the sleeping potion or poison. And then once they're all passed out, I can fully poison thin with the killing poison and then give myself the sleeping poison so that it looks like I was also poisoned. Okay. Okay. How do you plan to get the golden root to the kitchen person? I'm assuming that she has like a water that's, or some sort of drink lying around the kitchen while she's working and just slip it in while you're talking to her and making special requests for food. So give me a defy danger try to decide if there should be like you sneaking the poison in there or like you talking your way into the kitchen so you could be near where her water is like what do you think is more calico speed um i think she'd probably sneak because thief okay so let's do defy danger dexterity okay 12 that will do it then so (laughs) okay so you're able to case the kitchen out a little bit and when you see uh, an opening you sneak back there and dump some golden root into her cup and get into position so like after she takes a drink you're right there for her to see and the golden root kind of takes hold so that night when you've ordered the food you know it's coming up there you're gonna take an antidote to make sure that you don't get knocked out by the poison right not yet Go ahead and... But it's still, it would still show up in my system, and I could still act like it, probably. But I'm going to give it to myself at the very end of everything to... Right, right. Um, but just so for this initial dose, even with the antidote, can you roll Defy Danger Constitution? It's an 11. Nice. Okay. I mean, not for that, but, you know, nice for you. Uh, so that works perfectly. And uh, as everybody else kind of you know drifts off to sleep and, and passes out into their drug-induced uh, slumber, you are still awake. Do you want to describe poisoning Then or just say that you do it? No, there's not really anything special to it. It's going up to him sleeping with a vial of poison in my hand and slowly dripping it down his throat so he doesn't choke on it and wake up or whatever, but also set against his system. Yeah, you succeeded in poisoning him to knock him out so he can't stop you from poisoning him with something lethal so i think that that happens and you as he starts to 
cough, and the poison starts like to take hold, and his you know his body is starting to shake. I'm guessing you either let yourself out of the room into the into the other room with the with the rest of the party and dose yourself and. First, I need to take care of a loose end because upon questioning, my poor dear kitchen maid friend might turn on me. So, um, okay, I'm going to because the golden root should still trust me. So I'm gonna lure her into an alley where people are known for getting mugged and kill her and rob her. Damn, that's cold. Um, roll for slashing her throat or just does it count? Cause she still trusts. <laughs> she trusts you, and you know what you're doing with a knife. So well, you make it look like she got mugged and killed, and yeah. Um, actually, yeah. Go ahead and roll plus dex just to see how like how successful you are in setting up this scene. Yeah, that's a nine. Okay, so you are mostly successful because you're not like just hanging out in the alley to see when she's discovered. I'm gonna hang on to what the possible consequences are for that, but you were mostly successful. Sweet. Later that same night, after Than has settled into his meditative trance for the evening, you are suddenly jerked back to consciousness. Cloud is shaking you and staring you dead in the eye. A gaunt figure leans against a tree. Shrouded so in the blackness beneath the boughs, they look out across a small country road to an old mansion. They caress the ruby amulet at their throat with a hand covered in white skin so taunt as to appear skeletal. The figure continues to stare out into the swirling mists that almost seem to beckon down the road to a small village. They don't move or give any sign of acknowledgement when a green fox with a peacock tail pads out of the darkness to sit at the base of the tree. The two watch in silence a bit more until a flash of blue light splits the gloom. When the light fades, five adventurers stand in the road underneath a black, starless, virtually lightless afternoon sky. The pair under the tree, of course, recognize then Leandros, Hans, Eliaf, and Calico. They are, in fact, here specifically for these five. Without looking down, Cyric begins... I must say, I'm surprised you'd bring them here. The Fae looks up at the Lord of Lies with as much surprise as a fox's face is capable of showing. They're not here because of me, Garth says. Are you sure you didn't choose this place? Looking around, Garth continues. It reminds me of you. Wrapped in shadows, hiding from death, and just a few goats short of a dozen. Cyric snarls silently down at Garth, but then they both look up as the party disappears into the house. The god and the fae watch as a pair of children rise from the bushes in front of the house. The children look with confusion up at the door where the five disappeared. Then, like fog on a sunny day, they dissipate, leaving the yard empty. Cyric's eyes narrow as they continue to watch the house. This place bothers you, doesn't it? Garth asks, also staring at the house. Cyric grunts and looks around. Yes, something is off. 
Garth looks up at Sirik and says, Isn't it obvious? It's because there's no room for you here. This place belongs to the blind god. The two then turn and look toward the village. Then without a word, they each step backward, deeper into the shadows, and vanish. Smoke trickles from the den into the foyer of the old mansion. Five framed faces look down from their place on the wall at a scene pregnant with potential renewed violence. Fen's body lifelessly sprawls on the floor just near the threshold between the hunter's den and the foyer. His eyes, peaceful but vacant, belie the violence inflicted on him. He almost seems to be looking up at the two swords stretched out above him. Hans and Eliev stand on either side of the corpse, their blades and accusations leveled at Leandros, who stands alone in the middle of the entrance hall. Arcane magic's just a breath away, Leandros' eyes flit between the two swordsmen and Calico. The third point of this three-way standoff, Calico calmly holds her deadly scarf, ready to leap to whichever way this tide shifts. Okay, my, uh, I'll drop my sword to my side and just kind of like slump my shoulders down and say, Hans, I appreciate you standing beside me. I won't forget it. But he's not wrong. I am a paladin of Helm, and yet I couldn't protect Then. I couldn't protect any of us. I have failed. Why are you... You appear like you're going to give up your quest. I don't, I don't think this is the right time. And I'll just kind of dejectedly take the holy symbol off um, and let it fall to the floor. And then I'll, I'll just kind of turn to Hans and say... Before I felt Helm abandon me, he gave me one last gift. He showed me the true hearts of the three of you. Hans, you're a good man. Don't let them change that. Calico, she means well, but will not shy from darkness to suit her needs. Watch her carefully. And then I'll kind of like side-eye Leandros and then look back at Hans and say, This one, however, has nothing but darkness in his heart. Be wary of him. And then I'll just kind of dejectedly, slowly turn, walk back into the hunter's den. Though he does not touch it, the door closes behind him. I watch him leave, and I start, start slowly walking toward Leandros. Not, like, visibly angry, but, like, I feel like I'm kind of emotionally kind of messed up right now. I thought I like Then. And, but now Calico has told me that he needed to die because he's a bad person, and I believe her wholeheartedly. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> and just so everybody knows on that, um, Adam and I talked a little bit offline what exactly the effects of the Golden Root entail. The Golden Root causes Hans to consider Calico to be his closest ally and, you know, trusted confidant the effects of which will last until she proves otherwise. That's very vague, very broad. So as we go along, if Calico does something that I think meets that criteria, breaking that trust, I'll let Adam know. And also, Adam is going to be on the lookout for something that might break that trust. And so if he sees something, he's going to text me or let me know in some way, and then I will let him know whether that does or not. Because I think if we can keep 
a little bit of mystery around this. Like, is he still under the Golden Roots control? That could be fun. That could create some very interesting tension. Just wanted to get that out there, Adam. Uh, you were saying? But I'm still upset about Leandros, and I still remember that he just yelled at Elias, and I. So I feel like I get close to him, and I'm not shouting, but I'm saying, "This is your fault." He was on our team. This is your fault. I don't care if you're paying us. This is wrong. <sighs> Leandros is going to look at Hans and, and go, I really don't care. I'll make this clear. I was paid to do a job, and I will do that job. But as soon as it is over, I'll never speak to you again. Fair enough. The three of you whirl at a sound. As another door opens into the foyer and a figure steps through. You kind of see me, black kind of looking leathers. He has like a, uh, a silver breastplate and uh, a strap around his back with uh, like a stick kind of like poked out the back of it. He's got kind of a buzz side cut with hair on the top kind of thing. Who the hell are all of you? Until we know each other better, why don't you all stow your weapons before I make you? Ooh, I don't stow my like fun. <laughs> I start to walk toward him. First, I just walk into this room and I see three people standing over a dead body. Give me one reason why none of you should be killed right now. Well, technically, it was an act of mercy or something. I mean, he was on fire and he's going to die anyway. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I say, we don't have to explain anything to you. We don't even know who you are. My friend I mean, was just killed we... by these beasts. Why don't you, you know, calm down just a little bit? Human. These beasts stabbed him with a dagger? Well, you see what had happened was... I don't believe a word out of your mouth, Tiefling. Oh! Now we're getting racist. I, like, yeah. draw my sword even more. <laughs> Is he walking towards me with a sword drawn? Yeah. I just want to disarm him if I can. Knock yourself out. How are you going to just do that? I'd swing the rifle out of the carrier on my back. Uh, load a round into it and take a shot. Probably like a hip shot. Okay. Ten. Okay. That's a good shot. Um, this thunderous boom fills the entire room, echoing in this foyer. Everybody, for just a moment, uh, has that ringing in their ears and a loud, almost like gonging sound as Hans's sword goes flying across the room. Um, I feel like I just ducked down, like, onto, like, one knee and, like, one hand onto the ground a little in shock, but, like, trying my best not to show it, but I, like, don't know what the fuck just happened. We've never seen the gun before. Right. Then, like, I, like, look back at Leandros, like, hoping he had some sort of <laughs> magic shit he can do. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast a cage. Roll it up. The ten. So the magic hamster ball forms up around Devin's character. He just because uh, I know he can he can uh, read my mind. Oh yeah, yeah. He's hearing in his head, uh, or he's hearing out of Leander's head. What the hell was that? <laughs> what kind of monstrosity, mechanical wizardry was that? From the other room, you hear a small dog barking. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm weaving it in, man. Kind of say throughout the cage, in the name of the High King, Caldius Augustalis, Primarch of Aria, I am Quintus Arias, Justicar of the Primarchy, Equities of the Order of the Obsidian Step. Release me now. 
or I will charge all of you. How are you going to charge us if you can't? If you're if you're, you're uh, kind of caught up right now. Hey, can you give me the specifics of the cage spell? Can anything <laughs> pass through it? No. Damn. Either way. Well, come at me. <laughs> So you would all know what a Justicar is. While some towns or small regions might have like constables or uh, sheriff type officers uh, enforcing laws, the High King's Law, the law of the land in any area controlled by the Primarchy, is carried out by the Justicar. They are the police, the judge, jury, and executioners. Um, If you're picturing like the judges from uh, Dread, that would be pretty close. Can I spout lore about uh, who he says he works for? Because I did not think that uh, Arya had a high king. You can, yeah. Okay. Twelve. Okay. So the Primarchy is basically the like the highest level of royalty for the human kingdoms, and so the High King rules the Primarchy, which in turn rules like most of the the human cities and city states. He has taken the title of High King of Arya. And since the Primarchy does control, like, the majority of the land, um, it's not too much of a stretch. But mm. being an elf um, from Athelion, like, you don't necessarily oh, recognize I don't, his authority. No, I wouldn't recognize that, yeah. yeah. Leandris doesn't... He plays by his own rules. I don't know if you've noticed that yet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you told us who you are, but you haven't told us why you're here. That's a good point. You still haven't answered me about this dead body. I told you. He was on fire. Put him out of his misery. I say, look, if you want to end up like him, go ahead and not tell us anything. That's fine. <laughs> and I'd like turn around and walk away. <laughs> I'm searching for two brothers. The Glass brothers. And they had accomplices working with them, and I don't know who the hell you are. Uh, we are not working with them. We came here following other people who are not the Glass brothers. And we managed to trap ourselves in this house. So that's where we are. How'd you trap yourself in this house? What are you talking about? Uh, the door has disappeared. Do you know any other way out of here? The, the front door? The back door? <laughs> oh, there is a back door. That's great news. Well, they usually tend to have those in most places. And... The wall opposite of the front door has five portraits hanging on, and there's two doors on that wall. He came out of the right-hand door. And then on the left wall was the door into the hunter's den, and the right side of the room is a spiral staircase. So was he in a different part of the house? Like like he was further than us? or And he's coming back down? or more? I wouldn't say further into the house, but just into a different part of it. I ask him, like, what, what did you find in that room you came from? To be honest, nothing. Nobody. It was just a kitchen. Did the, does the staircase go up? Yeah. Well, I tell him, like, we tried to move forward out this door, but clearly not a door anymore. So our options are limited on escape. All right. But I need to know that if we release you, you're not going to kill us, and you're not going to ask any more stupid questions. Well, I have no reason to kill you now. Sure, because my friend here can put you right back in whatever I say it. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can end up like the guy on the floor. Who knows? Again, (laughs) you're threatening me, and it's not good. Okay. Can I... Look, before we go upstairs, there's something I need to do. I'll drop this cage, but I need your word that you're not going to attack me or my companions. I can give you my word that I won't attack you at this moment. But you give me one reason not to listen to you. And I, I walk listen. over 
next to Fen's body and I pick up the dagger while looking at um, this guy, whatever his name was, and hand it back to Calico. And I like say to Leandros, like, it's okay. You can release him. All right, I'm gonna. Um, I'm just gonna turn. I'm gonna turn away from him, which will drop the spell. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna look at uh, Finn's body, and um, I'm gonna uh, attempt to ritual cast um, gentle repose. Yeah. So I know it's not something that is on my spell list, but um, I know. Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. We talked about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So I think it, you kind of start off like you would just about any other spell. Um, and you have this incantation or, or one that you think is going to get basically kind of pretty close to this. And you find that the arcane energies that you need are very readily around you right now. Oh. And so it's very it's very easy to cast this spell. Okay. So just describe what the spell's effect looks like or what, you know, what the rest of the group is seeing. Leandro's going to sit down for this one. So he's going to sit down kind of next to the body. Um, with a spell book out, um, but in his lap, sitting there cross-legged. Eyes begin to glow red, arcane rune on his forehead. He starts, you know, speaking in, you know, some type of arcane language. You start hearing, um, like, wisps of air coming around him. Leandris's cloak kind of, like, riffling around him as well. Around the body, you see a circle begin to form. I guess light begin to take over. And then, you know, I guess after the ritual's over... The light dissipates. Finn looks completely normal. Okay. So you guys saw what he described, but don't know what he did. So what are, uh, what are um, you doing? How, how big of a guy is Finn? He was always like a skinny, cr- scrawny guy, right? He's an elf, so... Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's an elf, so like he's, he's not beefy, but he's, he's fairly tall. Hans, I need you to carry Finn's body for me. I walk over to his body, and I feel like I kneel down on both you know on both knees and i kind of put my arms up underneath them and kind of pick him up like solemnly like i i I know calico told me he was a bad man and everything but i feel like i just was starting to gain his respect and all that stuff so i'm still sad and um i feel like i'm quiet about it sure if we have a moment he's leandros you two are like i do to like a lot of people that ask i say you you don't recognize me (laughs) no Oh, I mean, most people know who I am, so... He has defeated a lot of things. Yeah. None of you have recognized a Justicar, so I don't recognize any of you. Bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Say, what is that thing that you uh, made a loud explosion with earlier? What was that? That was none of your concern. I think it's a lot of my concern because you shot it at my uh, cohort here. Yes, he was coming at me with a blade drawn. You know, you didn't necessarily identify yourself, and you, you really aggroed him. He's quick to do that. that. Three people standing over a dead body, and you're saying, I'm the one that had an issue. Well, we tried telling you what happened, but you didn't listen. Yeah. I asked you a question, and you responded with coming at me with a sword. You're welcome. He's not getting this. You literally didn't answer anything. What was the question? I was like, can we just answer these questions when we get the hell out no. of here? Sure. Human and tiefling. Got it. Wait, what about us? <laughs> you guys never told me your names. <laughs> oh. And I, like, look at him and I I say sarcastically, like, at your service. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still say your name? Okay. What's your name again? <laughs> it's Quintus. I'll try to not remember that. 
I guess let's do what Han says. Let's go up the stairs. Okay. And I, I want to be sure to make sure I see all of them at all times. Like, so like I'm letting them take the lead and following behind all of them. Okay. You make your way up the stairs. Uh, the, the, the floorboards creaking just a little bit underneath uh, the very lush carpeting. This place seems very right on the edge of like upper class. Like it seems, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty rich type of, of, of home. There's a lot of like the thick carpets, a lot of tapestries on the walls, velvet curtains on the windows. But at the same time, it feels just a little bit old. It's not quite old enough to like where things are falling apart, but old enough that like if these people really had this kind of money, they would have, you know, refreshed these things or bought new curtains. It feels more like an old money kind of home. At the top of the stairway, there is a hallway that only leads, I think, only about like 40 feet or so. There's a door at the end of the hallway, opposite where you're coming up the stairs, and then there's a door on the left and the right, about midway down for both of those. I said start to the right. You uh, approach the doorway and you open it. A waft of air comes out of the door as you open it. Uh, it, is, it is dank and moist. Reminds you a lot of like the the breath of a dog that's been eating rotting meat. Oh, Ahead of you, the hallway extends a couple hundred feet into shadows. The walls, floor, and ceiling are all covered in a pinkish gray substance that reminds you a lot of like flesh or intestines. Along the floor and the ceiling, there are small uh, protrusions, kind of like stalagmites and stalactites, or like teeth that poke up into the hallway. They're not very large, and they're spaced out in, in a way that they don't seem like they would be dangerous. They're more just kind of unnerving. What would you like to do? Uh, I say let's skip this room. I feel like when I peeked into this room, I didn't give me a good feeling because it looked really creepy so I'm not gonna like <laughs> disagree with, with skipping it Calico seems like she's making a face well I'm just saying the the creepy room might be the way out you wanna go in be my guest but <clears throat> I'm gonna stand here at the door if you do okay well let's check the other room but I feel like this is the way to go well, yeah. can I uh, detect magic in this area <laughs> oh, yeah. yes go ahead and roll that it was a nine. Do you want to draw some unwelcome attention, take a minus one on going, or forget the spell? I'll take a minus one on going. Okay. Just about... I guess I forgot, how does uh, Leandro sense magic? I'd say he closes his eyes and the rune on his forehead glows, but he's like reaching out, kind of like Luke would with the force. Okay. Um, into the room, and he's just kind of like focusing. And then when he feels it, you know, eyes open. You know, the type deal. Okay. So it's more like um it's more like an extrasensory feeling of magic. Yeah. Okay. I'd say that, yeah. So I think then you would almost get kind of like that moment in the Matrix when Neo first sees the Matrix, like he's just realized like he's surrounded by all that code. Well you get that mm -hmm. feeling like the the floor and the walls and the doors and the doorknobs and the tapestries, everything is just low level magic. And the hallway, the flesh hallway leading out ahead of you, has a bit more magic. So this is a magic house. <laughs> yes. Hey, remember that time uh, Leander didn't listen to me when I told him the house was magical? 
Yeah, I listened to you. I just chose not to. I chose not to hear it. Okay. Well, I mean, I say let's just try another door. Do I see any signs of like any like footprints or anything of like the any of the brothers or whatnot? Go ahead and do uh, discern realities for that. Tell me what, what you're the... doing to look for the footprints. I'm gonna look around in case like the the floor planks and see if there's any kind of like discoloration from any like uh, tracks that they brought in like dirt or, or okay. water mud kind of thing. Okay, so just kind of looking as you're walking around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Ten. You see some evidence of like traffic, definitely of people moving around up here. It's hard to say whether it was two people or 20 or if it was today or last week. There's definitely been some people coming through this hallway, though. You would have two other questions if you want them. Could I do who's really in control here? Given that the this door that you've opened opens mm-hmm. into, like, a tunnel of flesh, you get the sense that maybe the house is in control or something that is controlling the house. All right. And... What here is useful or valuable to me? I think with how little of the house you've seen, and with only really giving this hallway a cursory glance as you walk through it, you don't see anything that jumps out at you as being terribly useful. Um, there's certainly some value in like the tapestries and some of the you know the silver candelabras on the walls, things like that. But that's very much a monetary value. Oh, um, that's good. And so remember, and we, uh, um, I've been bad at this too, you take a plus one if you act on any of those things that you uh, just found out. Oh. Just keep that in mind. Okay. So what would you all like to do? Open all the doors and see which one looks the most, uh, I don't want to say inviting, but... Less threatening. <laughs> yeah, that's a better version of it. Less uh, like we're walking into a mouth of something. <laughs> so which door are you opening first? The, the one on the left of the hallway or one at the end of the hallway? Left. Okay. When you try the knob, the door doesn't move. It seems very much like the front doors are now, that it's not really a door anymore. I mean, look at whoever did it. I mean, I feel like they look at everybody, and now we got to keep moving down the hall. Could I dispel magic on it? You could try. Okay. Nine. What... Uh, Unwelcome attention, minus one, or forget the spell. Unwelcome attention. Yeah, who the Uh, fuck else is here? (laughs) So what is that, when your dispel magic, like, hits the door, what does that look like? With the uh, arcane runes in his hand, uh, just kind of, like, blasting the door handle. Okay. Almost like a battering ram. Okay. So I think as as like the battering ram of energy like hits the door and like spreads out over the surface like it would to kind of like to you know to dispel the magic over the door where the arcane energy like leaves behind like in like in its wake the door is like gray and the paint is peeling and it looks worn and weathered and old you hear an uh, incredibly loud shriek <laughs> and the hallway shakes a little bit, like a minor tremor. And then blood 
begins to pour from the top of all the walls in the hallway, just kind of like waterfalls of blood falling into the hallway. And uh, it doesn't seem to be going down the stairs. It is filling up the hallway. Good. Oh, maybe we should go back downstairs before we drown in blood. Do you want me to, like... Well, I mean, I'm holding Fen, though, so somebody needs to go... Wants to go check that other door, just for gigs. Uh, I will <laughs> run to check the other door just to see what's in there. Yeah. Okay. Really fast. So the rest of you guys are just chilling while she does that? I'm waiting at the edge of the stairs. Yeah, same. Yeah, because I'm like... Sp- yeah, I feel like if she says it's locked, we're going to go run down the stairs. So, Quinn, when you get to the top of the stairs, the the blood is kind of already coming up. It's already, like, about ankle height at this point. And it extends over, like, over top of the stairwell. Like, it, you didn't see any of it go down the stairs, but it looks like the <laughs> stairs are now full of blood. Okay. Calico, when you get to the door at the end of the hallway, you find the same kind of thing. Like, it looks like that it's just a wall with a doorknob sticking out of it. Okay. Useless. We should go either into the stalagmite tight room. Oh, God, and, I didn't think about that. And or that back downstairs. Somebody pick a direction, I will follow. Mouth room? <laughs> Where are you guys going? What are you doing? Blood's up to your, go your, your knees now. I'm telling them to go downstairs. All right, go downstairs. And we kind of have to go down the stairs, like, with faith, right? Because we can't really see the stairs anymore. At this point, going down the stairs would mean that you are very quickly submerged and swimming through the blood rather than just walking. So wait, did it, like, is it the blood is coming, like, filling up, filled up the whole downstairs? Like, You can't see through it because it's, it's, it's blood. So yeah. I mean, you, can, okay. you can maybe see, like, one step down. But I gotcha. for it to have filled up the whole stairwell. All right. So I feel like we kind of get to that part and we kind of realize it. And then we don't have a choice. We have to go to the scary room. Yeah, he's right. Okay. So as you make your way into the hallway, you can see that there is some blood coming into the hallway, but it is not, it's not pouring in at the same speed. So it's more like a little trickle kind of down the center of the hallway. Um, Whereas you can kind of see it's still pouring into the hallway that you just left. As soon as all of you are into the flesh hallway, the door slams shut. Um, and then huh. there's just that trickle of blood coming from underneath the door. So at least two of you do not have dark vision. So Hans and Quinn, for sure, are just completely in the dark at this point. Calico and Leandros, with your dark vision, you get a vague sense of the hallway. But it's it's still much darker than you would expect it to be. It's darker than you're used to with your dark vision. As a cantrip, I have light. I can cast light. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do that. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Seven. Okay. Uh, well, it's still successful, so unwelcome attention, minus one, or forget the spell. Ah, uh, forget the spell. Okay. Um, what are you casting it on? Like, my hand. Uh, just, like, to, you know, put it in, like, the palm of my hand so I can direct it if I need to and close it again okay. if I need to. I, um, yeah, I kind of dig that. I'll let you do Yeah, so the, the palm of your hand is giving off light. And if you, yeah, if you make a fist, it, it, it gets rid of most of the light. So. Okay. So then with Landros's palm lighting the way, as you begin to walk down the hallway, there is the occasional, like, shift and shudder, whatever this uh, material is that's under your feet and on the walls and on the ceiling. Um, it, it, you know, kind of, it shifts almost like a living thing. 
after a couple hundred feet of this, you come into a small cul-de-sac-like area. Like, the, the tunnel, like, opens up just a little bit and rounds off, and there are three doors. Uh, one to the left, one straight ahead, and one to the right. Straight ahead? Yeah. <laughs> we can try it. Yeah, we can try it. Okay. Okay. The door opens into a sitting room. It's probably about like 20 by 30 feet. Fairly dim, but there are some you know lights in the room, like very dim kind of lamps sitting on some of the tables. There was a, an overstuffed sofa and a couple chairs kind of in a little circle in the center of the room. Very high quality material, very elegantly carved wooden legs. There's a coffee table in the center of the room with a glass decanter full of violet liquid. Um, a number of glasses sitting around it. The walls are also a nice purple. There's another door ahead of you as you enter the room and a door to the right. Um, as all of you enter all the way into the room, the door behind you closes. Like on a dome? Yeah. Fun. Oh, that's fun. So I guess we all have to drink this whatever's in the middle, right? The hell this works? Do Calico test if it's poison or not? I do have a... No, I don't. <laughs> what? I do have a quality what? healing potion that I didn't give to Finn. <laughs> Try to discern realities and see what this is. Okay. What are you doing? To see if this is poisonous in any way. Um, how and I'm gonna do how are you doing that? Kind of the same way that I would detect magic. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll. Uh, it's a five. Okay. Mark experience. Yeah. I think you feel, just you, feel a hot wind blow across your face. Do I know um, which way, like what direction from? Like right into your face, kind of like your hair kind of flutters out just a little bit behind you. So everybody else kind of sees it like something happened to you. And it feels almost hot and a little bit moist, like the breath of something right into your face. Right. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't see anything. No. Can I use my alchemist ability to like test to see what it is? Um, I like. Can I do that? That idea because if you can, if you know enough to create just about any poison, then I think you would know enough to test a poison. Right. I think the the question is like, what would you do to test the poison? Like, what do you have? Well, I've got a little, a little pouch of stuff that has like poison mixers and vials and other type things so maybe if I know if I put a certain amount of something into it and reacts and it's a poison so you have like a powder that will detect poison yeah sure yeah okay uh, so mark that off on your sheet that you're using um, one bit of that or like one use of your, your poison detecting material okay and then make sure that you've marked that that is one of the things you have on your belt um, okay so I think that you actually probably should be pretty close to having a full belt at this point. When you test the liquid in this decanter, you can definitely tell that it is poison. Oh, um, so not a very not strong drink. one, but definitely poison. I tell Leandros he can have some, but everybody else shouldn't. Well, I thought you were trying to help me. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. It was just a joke. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Hans like, gave a double take. Like, what? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Nobody drink it. At that moment, you begin to hear the sound of uh, like like a scrabbling or like crawling coming from 
inside the walls, kind of all around you. Um, well, it sounds that's like, then. like dozens of little paws, like scratching at the inside of the walls. And the scratching grows louder and, oh, and more. And it sounds like the dozens are now dozens of dozens. And it grows louder and louder and louder. There are just scores of something scrabbling around in the walls all around you. Those tiny little paws, like scratching as they run around or like scratching on the inside of the wall. The sound gets so loud, gets to a point where you can't even hear each other talking. The scratching, the scrabbling noise from the walls is, is just too loud. It sounds like there's just too many little rat-sized creatures in the walls around you. And then suddenly it stops. Well, that's disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, think? I think maybe we're supposed to drink this. No, she just said it was poison. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, you can try it, see what happens, and we'll follow your lead. Go ahead, Hans. Uh, I say, no. Calico, you just said it was poison. You can't let him drink it. You're right. Leanne just, he can't drink it. I, I told him I before wasn't... he shouldn't drink it, and he's trying to <clears throat> on you. What's wrong with him? Yeah, you're right. Why can't Hans try it? I told you, Hans can't have it. It's poison. I told you, you can't have it. It's poison. And you said, well, I'm going to try it anyway. I, I say, this is all very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I look back at this Quinn guy and say, well, you've been mighty quiet. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, don't drink the poison. Probably a good start. And perhaps try one of these other doors? Huh. Oh, yeah, there are other doors. I forgot about that. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> somebody with some common sense. Yeah, let's uh, try the other doors first. Hey, are we going to release the rats? Maybe. <laughs> no shit. All right, let's do it. But at least then we'll have something to fight. So there's a door that was uh, across the one where you came from and a door to the right when you walked in. Which, which door are you guys heading for? I say right. As you move toward the door, you see a crumpled piece of paper on the floor near one of the couches. Okay. Uh, just like a regular piece of parchment? Um, as far as you can tell. All right, I'll reach down and pick it up. It looks like it's been torn out of a book and written in it. Um, it's not a whole page. Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a piece that's been kind of ripped off, like, near the bottom. There's some smudges, and so there's only some of the what's been written on it that you can make out but written in a very even, very neat handwriting. Um, the part that you can make out says, SK has taken ill, so I cannot consult him. He is so good about calming me when my imagination gets the best of me. Even now, I can't help but shake the feeling his voice sounded strange from behind the closed door when he told me to go away and let him rest. Hmm. SK? Is that what it said? Yeah, it looked like, like, a, like was... initials. Okay. Well, that was weird. Does anyone here know SK ring a bell? Anybody? Does it ring a bell for me? I mean, there's a chance you might know something. Like, there might be somebody in your backstory who has the initials SK. But as far as for anybody that feels pertinent to, like, where you are right now, no. I knew a wonderful guy. His name was Serial Killer. Stephen <laughs> King. <laughs> that guy it's actually was a, He's actually a wonderful, splendid gnome. <laughs> <laughs> so you open the doorway. 
and a, another like waft of dank, moist air that smells like the breath of a dog that's been eating rotting meat. And the same hallway that disappears a couple hundred feet in the shadows with the, the flesh walls and intestines and the tiny protrusions coming out of the, the floor and the ceiling. Pretty much it looks exactly like the hallway that you just came out of. Shit. Yeah, well, that's be here. promising. Like, do we think it's the exact same hall- hallway or just similar? From where you're standing, you're not seeing any difference. Uh, I'll try the door on the right. It is no longer a door. Same with the door on the left? Yeah. I am so confused. <laughs> so, continue forward? Yeah. I guess that's our only option. Yeah. Lead on. Uh, so you make your way down the hallway, and again, there's that, that the occasional like shift and shudder of the flesh intestines under your feet and then around you. Um, again, after a couple hundred feet or so, you come into a small cul-de-sac-like area. Looks very much like the one that you were just recently in. Three doors, left, straight, and right. Straight, this time. Okay. The doorway opens up to a room. It looks like a child's playroom. There's only one other door in the room, and it's straight across from you. There are low shelves that run along uh, pretty much all the walls in the room. I'm low enough to look like it look, you know, things can on the shelves are within the reach of children. There are toys and dolls on the shelves and you know, a couple books and a few things like that. In one corner, there's a rocking horse that stares blankly across the room. Tapestry to the left takes up most of the wall um, and looks like a scene of like dancing animals. At first, it looks like a very cheery and happy kind of tapestry. It's full of bright colors, but as you walk into the room and and look a little bit closer, you see that the the dancers are wolves and foxes dancing with sheep and rabbits, and the wolves and foxes are leering at their prey with malice in their eyes, and the sheep and the rabbits uh, look very clearly terrified. As you have made your way all the way into the room, the door behind you closes, and at the same time, the door across from you begins to shake under the repeated like strikes of someone knocking like, very hard from the other side of the door. That's what I call a jump scare. <laughs> I... <laughs> I guess we should answer. We want to open the door. As you attempt to pull the door open, Landros, you feel it kind of yanked out of your hand and the door slams back shut. Of course it does. Does the knocking continue? Yes. You want me to like put Ben down and try and open it myself with all my yes. strength? Yeah, go ahead. So I carefully put, put Ben down and I say I'll try. And I try to, and I'm strong, so if I have to roll strength something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually do have a move. Bend bars, lift oh. gates, that I think would be. While they're working on this door, can I kind of look over at Sam or the, the person on the ground? Yeah. We'll come back to you in just a second, though. Hans, go ahead and roll plus your strength. 11. Okay, so it sounds like you're looking at the move. You get three out of those four things. So it doesn't take very long. Nothing of value is damaged. It doesn't make a lot of noise, or you can fix the thing without a lot of effort. I want to say it doesn't take very long. It doesn't make a lot of noise. I'll say I can fix it again. I don't give a shit if it's damaged, really. So. <laughs> okay. You end up, as you're struggling against the door, like you're pulling and you can feel it's like somebody on the other side of the door is pulling back against you. 
and you just give it one last big tug and the the hinges break off the other side of the door and you kind of stu- stumble backwards a little bit with the door like in your hands <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like you could probably more or less like put it back if you need to but for the moment you've got this door on the other side of the door is an empty closet um, <laughs> Sitting on the ground in the center of the floor is a pair of human ears. There's a small ring of frost around the ears, and the air in the closet is definitely colder than it is in the playroom. Okay, so there's ears on the floor, the most rest of the closet is empty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there ears plural or one ear? It's two ears. It looks like from the same mm. person. Well, that's exciting. Have we seen any other body parts? Not yet. Did yeah. you find anything, anything of note on uh, the dead guy? Um, yeah, so while, Hen, while Hans is pulling the door off the the, the hinges, if you're <laughs> rifling through Than's body, I mean, you've got the sheet in front of you. You know exactly what you're finding. Uh, All right. What are you doing about that? I mean, he doesn't need it anymore. So you're taking it? Yeah. <clears throat> hang on, hang on. Do I see this? I think you would, yeah. Don't, don't touch that. My idea was that they were all preoccupied and not looking in the way. If, obviously, if somebody has an eye on it, I'm not going to try to go for it. Why don't you roll Defy Danger, I would say Dex or Intelligence. Like, if you're trying to, like, move in really quickly and sneakily, that'd be, like, Dexterity. But, if, like, if you're trying to, like, wait for the right moment, I would say that would be Intelligence. Which one are you doing? Dexterity. Okay. Eleven. I think you can get, like, a like a couple of like the items that would be on the belt or like you know like the sword like that's in the sheath but anything that would be like like his armor or anything that was like inside a bag i think you can't get but you could get a cup you could i'd say you can get two items that would be like on a belt could i go i probably would go with the a health potion if that's possible sure and you said this there was a sword right the sword i would see if i if i would if I was able to go for that, I would have gone for that. Sure. That's it. Take the sword, then. All right. Cool. I think for the moment, at least, you're able to get that stuff off of his body and kind of s- still play it cool. And then, like, once Hans has the door off and you guys are all kind of, like, looking at those ears in the closet, I think that it seems less th- safe to kind of, like, go back for more. So what are you guys doing? Uh, they're human ears. <laughs> yes. Hans, pick that up. Please. The ears? Yeah, the ears. What are we going to do with them? I don't know. That's why I want you to pick them up. You pick them up. Oh, I'm not, I'm not picking them up. <laughs> I tell Hans technically he doesn't have to listen to him anymore since he told you both that you failed at your mission. I didn't say it to him. I said it to Elief. No, you said yeah, it but he took it as uh, <laughs> coming to him. No, that's his own fault. <laughs> Which gives him even less reason to listen to you. I reluctantly pick up the ears and then immediately toss them like at Leandros. Okay. Um, <laughs> when you pick them up, like other than that, they feel very cold. Like nothing happens. Um, you might be a little bit weirded out by holding human ears, but yeah, you toss them at Leandros. Leandros, you've got a couple ears coming at you. Oh God! <laughs> I just I imagine they like like both hit me because I'm not really expecting it <laughs> yeah yeah and then if you're kind of if you're kind of grossed out i think they, they hit you and then just fall to the floor oh, um, but nothing seems to happen 
I look at Leandros and say, unless we, we plan on putting Frankenstein back together, I think we can just leave them here. Just take note that we found two ears. I don't understand that reference. But <laughs> I, I sound like a guy I want to meet. <laughs> I'm going to actually pick the ears back up. Okay. I imagine I, I have like a little pouch that I carry some of my spell components in, and I'm going to put them in there. Okay. You've got two ears. All right. I'm going to write that down in my inventory. Do it. Okay. Um, two cold ears. Does his pouch, like, turn icy cold? No. Nope. Not to, like, not to, like, outside. I'm, like, if he, when he reaches in, like, it's, it, it feels cool inside the pouch, but. Could I have, like, while he had the ears out, kind of, like, put my hand next to him and, like, snap my finger really loud? See if it, like, did anything to the ears? Sure. Does not. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Okay, so you are going to go... I guess, I mean, there's only one door out of this room, and it's the one that you came in, um, unless you're going to do anything else in the room. Yeah, I say we have to move on. Keep okay. on, keep it on. So you go back through the door. We open it up to a brick wall. <laughs> you step into the hunter's den um, from the door opposite of the one you came in initially. So the room is oak paneled. There's a number of mounted animal heads above the fireplace. Although instead of the deer head you saw the first time, these are goat heads. There are four goat heads stuffed and mounted on the wall above the fireplace. There are the two padded chairs draped in animal furs that are facing the the hearth um, with an oak table kind of in between, like a, like an oak's like side table between them with a cask of wine on it and two goblets. There's a larger table behind them with like a pipe rack and a candelabra. And then there are the two cabinets that are now on either side of the door that you've just walked through. And there's a door on the opposite side of the room for you. I look at Leandros and say, you want to set this room ablaze with us in it this time or out? (laughs) I'm not saying anything. I vote we leave first before we do that again. I say, do you think these creatures will come to life? Or should we run? I don't... I don't know. <laughs> All right. I feel like um, at this point, like, I have them, like, slung over my shoulder. Like, I was carrying them, like, really nice, but I've been carrying them for a while now. Sure. I mean, I guess we'd try for the door. Would that be, like, what we would think is out? Like, that's the way we came in the last time? That Yeah, that was the way you came in the last okay. time, so... The, the foyer should be on the other side of that door. Okay. They go. Can we go try the door? I guess Calico or Leandros or... You're asking them to? Yeah, I mean, I'm holding the fucking... Okay. Um, yes, we will. I will. Okay. Uh, all right. And the goat ear people come out of the thing. And, <laughs> and they kill Leandros. Uh, so, Calico, you open the door. Um, and... <laughs> you set us on fire. <laughs> Hearsay. Uh, Quinn, what do you think about this, all this talk of them setting, or of Leandro setting them on fire? Oh, what? I'm I'm taking note of all of this transpiring. <laughs> okay. I'm slowly like, as listening to all this, I'm like starting to like, oh yeah, like I'm realizing what my bombs are going to be now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So did she open the door? She opened the door. Uh, on the other side of the door is a large dining hall. Um, it runs probably about a hundred feet 
Um, there's a long, finely crafted dining table that dominates the center of the room. There are eight ornate chairs around the table. They're all empty, but the place setting is in front of each table, including a plate that is covered by a silver dome. The table is also adorned with very fine um, cutlery and like silver candelabras. On the wall behind each plate is a portrait of a person. They are all pretty clearly related and you recognize a few of them from the portraits in the foyer. There is a door straight ahead and a door to the left and the right out of the out of this room. Hmm. So this isn't what we expected to be here, right? Correct. But we want to keep going straight. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. You're just going to walk through the room? Yeah. As you're walking through the room, you notice two things. One, from the like the other side of the door to the left of you, there's a very distinct creak of floorboards. As if someone pretty like big, pretty heavy is walking down the hallway on the other side of that door. But the other thing that you notice is that the head of the table is another crumpled piece of parchment. Okay, I'll pick up this parchment as well. Okay. It looks like vaguely the same handwriting as the first parchment that you found, but this one is very jagged and sloppy. It kind of like all over the place. doesn't really follow like any kind of lines. It's just like a, a word this way and a word this way and a word. And just over and over again on the page is written, the keys aren't keys. The keys aren't keys. The keys aren't keys. Just over and over and over and over again. Keys are yeah, where's Nick when you need him? I feel like he always gets these riddles right away. <laughs> uh, there's not like a piano or anything in the room, right? No. Okay. So hmm. you're going to continue ahead to that door, or do you want to do something else? Yeah, I'd say so. So through the door ahead, this door opens up to a parlor. It's about 20 by 20, um, a number of like comfortable overstuffed type chairs um, and other fine furnishings. In the corner, uh, in the left, like straight ahead corner of the room is a large ornate vase. Up against the, the wall, like, sorry, the left hand wall, there's a pair of matching wooden chairs sitting on either side of like a solid block table with a marble surface marked with a number of black and white squares and a number of small game pieces. I think you'd all recognize it as uh, a game of stones. It's the kind of game like you, if you put your color down next to the opponent's color, like you take over that square and then, so then you have like two white pieces and they put a black piece down, like like they flip over your pieces. You know what I'm talking about? More or less, okay. Your characters are all recon- recognize it. Um, it's a pretty popular game, but uh, also more like an upper, like upper middle class type game. But it looks like this game is in the middle of being played. What would you guys like to do? I'd like to put a piece down next to another one. Okay. What are you guys doing as Landros goes in to like towards the game board? I'm just kind of standing in the middle of the room, still holding Zen's okay. lifeless body after he was killed. Okay. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, killed dead. We got gotcha. you. <laughs> Leandros, you go up to the board. Are you taking a white piece or a black piece? I'll take a black piece and put it next to a white piece. Okay. 
as soon as you do, the entire like marble tabletop flips over and then smashes into the floor just in front of you. The pieces go flying all over the room. And from the chair right across from you, a ghostly figure appears. Probably a face that looks similar to one of the ones you've seen in the portraits around the, the house. Its eyes are pure white, and it looks pissed. Uh, what are you guys doing? Um, Readying my weapon. Ooh, 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 ooh. I want to speak with dead. So it says a corpse, so I think it only works with a corpse. This this is definitely like a full it's a corporeal. Like, apparition. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Oh, uh, you should ask Then. <laughs> yeah, you turn around. You see, you see Then. He's like, "What's up?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing? I'm readying a shot for if he like comes like in my direction. I shouted like, "What the fuck?" Like when I as soon as I saw the ghost. Like I'm seeing all these things. I saw a gun earlier. Now I'm seeing a ghost. Like, what is going on? Um, so I think the ghost raises its hands, getting a strangling type motion, and begins moving towards Leandros. Okay, okay. I'm going to cast Invisibility on myself and uh, GTFO. How selfless of him. Yeah, I know. Now I know, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, roll to cast. Uh, 14. Okay. You are invisible, and the ghost is still moving towards you. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, invisibility doesn't work on ghosts. Well, it made me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to walk away. Okay. As you begin to kind of back up, the, the ghost is following you, uh, moving after you. So the rest of you no longer see Leandros, but you see the ghost is going after, looking like it's going to try to strangle somebody, but seems to be following nobody. Can I, like, pick up one of the pieces and throw it at the ghost to see if it, like, sticks or knocks sure. him off or just goes through? Uh, like yeah. You can bend down and get a piece, and you throw it, and it goes right through the ghost. And the ghost whirls at you, and then, again, with its hands up like it's going to strangle, starts coming at you. Um, what are you going to do? I tell, uh... Is there a door? There are two doors... One ahead, like straight ahead of one. where you came in, and one to the right. I start making my way to the next door. Yeah, I feel like at this Which point, I, yeah, I go toward the door. Well, we just the, came through the one, so straight ahead or one. right. Okay, to the right. I think Thomas is trying to tell us to go straight. I want to make sure I know what you guys are doing. So you are all moving towards the door to the right. Yeah, I think we're. I mean, I'm gonna run. Like, I feel like I threw this thing, went through it. So I'm like, I don't know what to do because I'm like a melee person. So if I can't hit it, I should need to get out. Sure. So when you open the door to the right, you are met with a puff of dank, moist air that smells like a dog that's been eating rotting meat. Ahead of you, stretching off several hundred feet into the shadow, is a hallway of meat, including those little small protrusions from the ceiling and the floor, and the ghost is pursuing you. (laughs) Way to go. Does anyone I want take, to check the other door? Uh, I will check the other door. I take off down the hallway as she's doing that. Okay. Uh, so Calico, make a defy danger dexterity. Um, as you move to like go towards the other door, the ghost like kind of reaches out at you. Ten? Okay. Yeah, you're able to duck out of the way without, a, without any problem. Make it to the other door to find that it is more like a wall with a doorknob on it. Well, that was a failure, so I run back the other way. Okay. 
Uh, Do I have to defy danger? Defy danger, yeah. Yep, okay. Uh, eight. Okay. That was time it says, okay, I get to do something to <laughs> Yeah, but it's not a failure. Then that would have been really bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's able to get hand like on your shoulder and like it, it slips off as you move, so it's it's not like a full like grab you and hold you sort of thing. But when the hand touches you, it is a cold that is just so cold that it like I'm that it burns. Um, Ow! Do I get a so cool scar from a ghost hand? Yeah, man, right on your shoulder. You're gonna take four damage. Um, no. Does not care about your armor. Okay. Shit. <laughs> <sighs> and so the rest of you have made your way into the hallway or starting to, to move down it is that yeah yeah, yeah i'm down it so calico after after getting that brush um you make your way into the hallway as well and mm-hmm. the door closes behind you and then as you're kind of moving down the hallway and like peeking back over your shoulder you see the ghost come through the doorway and it is Shit. following you down the hallway yeah, of course it is do i see that are you looking back I mean, yeah, I'm keeping an eye out where everything's going, like what's coming at, anything coming at me. In the very weak light, um, because I think there's still just a little bit of light now that it's not as kind of like full dark. There's a little bit of light coming from Leandros's hand, but it's just kind of like little cracks of it. So like you're getting just little just, tiny just flashes an, of the things behind you. And just, just an invisible in, guy in, in, running around with a light. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks more just like little, like little tiny cracks of light are like floating down the hallway after you guys. Um, nice. And as the as one like occasionally like swings back around to like directly behind you, you can kind of see that little flash of uh, like Hans and um, Calico, and then the ghost following you. But it's like a really, really slow like uh, like stop motion kind of thing. Gotcha. I just, if I make it to, like, toward the end of the hall, I want to turn around and post up and take aim down the hall at the goat. Well, I think you guys can definitely make it down to that that cul-de-sac where there's the three doors, one straight ahead, one to the left, and one to the right. Um, Is that where you want to stop, or do you want to go through one of the doors first? is 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 it right on Calico? It's not far behind her. If I could try to slow it down by taking, like, a shot at it, I want to try it. Okay. I'm gonna dodge out of the way of his shot, in case. Yeah, I'm it's gonna it's gonna look like I'm aiming at her. 100%. <laughs> okay, so you're just taking a shot at it. Yeah. Okay. Roll your volley. I feel like I don't need to ask this, but is it undead? I would think no. you would assume so, given that it's a ghost. I know. I just want to double check. Is Adam undead? Why are you double checking? Reasons. I would like to know mm-hmm. them. <laughs> My ammo. What about it? Well, I don't want to spoil it. If I don't know what you're doing, I might not be able to tell you what happens or doesn't happen. Oh man! All right, so I have a, a I have a round uh, on my ammunition that has kind of like a rune etched on it, kind of in like a crucifix kind of shape, but it has like a little kind of yellow glow about it. Okay. It's a little extra damage to uh, undead. Okay. I rolled a six, a five, plus three. Okay, so that is a good hit. So roll your damage. 13 damage total. Okay. So there is another just thunderous explosion. I think even louder, given that it's a much smaller room, and it just echoes and bounces around in this hallway, just slamming into your ears over and over again. 
So I think that you are all kind of momentarily deafened, and you have that uh, that, that that ringing in your ears. Um, so you don't hear this thing shriek when you definitely, as you're you're looking back at it, you see that the thing's mouth like open up wide, like wider than uh, like a humanoid's mouth should, as that bullet like rips into it, and you see cracks of like that bluish yellow light kind of spread throughout it, and then it just explodes in the hallway and is gone. I'll stand back up and like reload like Is it like a Winchester rifle? Uh yeah, very much like a like a like a Hen- Henry repeating rifle. Lever action. Yeah. Gotcha. Leandros is like come up. Mop, mop. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't bother me as much because I'm used to it. Um, I still think, like in this tight of a place, though, like it's. Oh yeah, you yeah, still definitely get, have that moment where. Yeah, yeah. Just it that, definitely the ringing of the ears. Yeah, it definitely will. It'll get the ringing going, but mm-hmm. like it probably startled more of them than anything. Sure, sure. Um, so the rest of you are probably like just getting like starting to like some of your hearing back as you come into that cul-de-sac and you see your new companion just standing there. Um, racking another shell into his rifle um, and he seems pretty unconcerned well I guess I should thank you well you haven't given me a reason yet to <laughs> mark you as a target so I think we all can get through hey. I think we all can get through this together so you're saying you like me <laughs> <laughs> don't push your luck there girl awesome <laughs> so then as you all make your way into that the cul-de-sac the three doors realize that thing that the ghost is no longer behind you what would you like to do get out yeah find a way to get out of this house what door would you like yeah. to take left straight ahead or right left yeah let's go left fuck we've gone straight and just nowhere okay the door opens up onto a long <clears throat> dank and somewhat chilly hallway it looks like running along both sides of this hallway are a series of alcoves for quite a ways down the hallway. As you make your way down this, this hallway and the door has closed behind you. The first half dozen or so of these spaces are pretty empty. They're fairly large, maybe like 10 foot deep, uh, like 6 foot wide each. And then you come to a few that have plaques above them also have large stone caskets in them. The first couple that you come to, an Elgin dry stand and a Dweisel dry stand. Both of the caskets are empty. They are on the kind of like left and the right of you. The lids are lying on the floor in various states of being broken, um, as if they fell off the top of the casket and broke. Inside there is nothing but some like rumpled silk bedding. Could I try to spout lore and see if I recognize the names? Sure. You do not. Oh, okay. Are there any caskets the that have a body in them? You continue down the hallway past a, a Lillowin, Drysten, uh, a Selwyn, Drysten, uh, empty, empty. Bronwyn, Drysten is empty. Barian, Drysten is empty. And then you come to Carrion, Drysten. Um, and this casket is intact. Talk to dead, please. Okay. Dead body. I'm gonna. I guess. What was the thing about S and K? Do we remember that? Was <clears throat> yeah, I'm paying attention to that, but I haven't come across it yet. Yeah, but is S and K one of these two people? No. Uh, it's guess. just S K. It's not S and K. Oh. So not these people. No. Probably Doesn't not. Me. Okay. Um, I want to go and have my unseen servant lift up the casket because 
Um, I ain't doing it. You today. always want your unseen servant to do things it can't do. What's the point of an unseen servant then? It's a simple, invisible construct that can do nothing but carry items. <laughs> it says it. <laughs> so the it's first the line of the, the spell. Bag of holding, but a person. What if he tells you? No, it's he just a. It's a. It's a bag of carrying things for you. He holds my trinkets, my very delicate trinkets. <laughs> oh yeah, could he? Could he hold thin? <laughs> oh um, yeah, give him thin. Wait, why are you keeping no. thin anyway? No, it can only carry a load of three. Okay, hold on. Can we meta game real quick? Why is Evan's character obsessed with carrying Finn's dead body? I'm not carrying his body. What are you talking about? First it was first it was the arm, and then he was like, let's keep the whole body. That was a totally different character. <laughs> that was a joke. That's what I'm saying. That's why, why I said you are Evan's character. Obsessed with keeping the dead body. I thought dead body parts. Because he did some sort of spell thing, and then he told me to pick him up. Maybe I want to bury his body. Like, what's so nefarious about that? Because we got think, shit to do first. I think you guys should have this conversation in character. <laughs> I think it would, no, I'm serious. I think it would be more productive. Okay. Um, well, my first my first question was why is Evan's character obsessed with with Devin's dead bodies? But right, but we that, can have the actual conversation. Devin's character. dead body. Yeah. Oh my god. I well in character, uh, Leandros. He would look at you and say, "It's none of your goddamn business." Yeah, but it's slowing us down. Can we leave it somewhere and come back for it? I don't want to come back to this godforsaken place. Anywho, can he try and talk to the dead person? Okay, yeah, so I'll I'll open the cast. Yeah, the casket. So this lid is really heavy. What's your strength? Uh, eight. You are not going to be able to lift this lid. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) 11 plus two plus one. Wait, no, plus zero. Are you offering to help him? I suppose it'll make this go faster. What? That's a surprise. Um, I think that the two of you are still having some difficulty. This is like a massive slab of stone. Um, and you are. I'll, I'll not walk over and so much. I'll walk over and help him. Hans, we need your strong arms. He's no, carrying I'm, your friend. <laughs> yeah, we well, can drop him. Our friend. I'll, I'll, I'll go over. I'll go over and then give him like a one-armed lift help. One-armed is not going to help him very much. Um, oh. You, you you try it like it you, you know go over there to kind of look, look cool and like oh that's actually pretty heavy. <laughs> well, it, what is it laying down flat like on the yeah. ground? Yeah, oh, it's a casket. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I thought it was like standing upright kind of thing. No, sorry, it's know. a it's, they're, they're laying down caskets. Yeah. Can we okay. push it well, instead of trying to lift it? Can we just like push I'll, it? I'll 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 help them lift it up. Well, with the three right. of you and switching right. tactics to pushing it off, you're able to knock it over. The lid like falls to the ground and and like. Uh, there's a massive like cracking sound as the thing kind of like splits in half. Very similar to some of the damage you've seen on some of the other lids. So inside, um, on top of that that silk bedding, there is a desiccated female body. There's uh, most of her dress is still intact, but what little skin is left on her skeleton is is super tight against her face and wrinkled. There's those, you know. There's still some hair like that are clinging to bits of the skull, but most of it's like fallen off onto the bedding behind her. And then you notice some movement underneath her dress. And then a rat crawls out from the top of her dress, like up onto the neck area, and it stands up and looks at you, and it lets out a squeak. And then there's a bunch more movement under her dress. 
and then rats begin to pour from all the openings of her dress. Um, just thousands of rats pouring out of the casket. And they are, like, swarming around your ankles and jumping at you off the casket, biting and nipping and um, basically trying to eat you. So what would you guys like to do? Uh, run. Yeah, I think we're going to run now. We're not going to try and talk to the dead person. <laughs> yeah. As you turn to run, Hans, you take one damage as the little like the rats are like biting into you, like get like finding those little gaps in your armor, just like thousands of little bites around you. Calico, you also take one damage from the rats that are kind of like swarming up and over you. Uh, Quinn, you actually don't take any damage. They are they are swarming on you and like trying to bite at you, but you're kind of you're, you're flipping them off to the side or like throwing them against the wall, or, like you're, st- you're stomping on them to get out of the way. And Leandros, you also take one damage from the rats. It's just like the just the little bites all over you. And as you turn to run, you see there is an eyeball sitting on top of the corpse's stomach. And there is a small ring of frost around it. I want to blast some of the rats out of the way with a magic missile. Okay. Kind of more just like clearing them out of the way way towards the eyeball? Yeah. Okay. So roll to cast. Uh, Eight. Okay. What are you taking? I'll take the attention. Okay. So as you fire the magic missiles... They, they blow up like a bunch of the rats out of the way, clear a path right up to the, the, the casket for you. But those rats that are flying through the air are now pissed. And as soon as they land, they come leaping at you. And you are going to take two damage from the the ones that were already on you, the ones that are like biting around your ankles, and the ones that are now kind of jumping okay. back up on you. But you have cleared the way. You're able to make it to the eye. Yeah, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to examine it later. Okay. Okay, um, uh, very much like the ears, it feels cold to the touch, and you are able to, I guess, put it into your bag, and, and what are you guys doing? I'm going to the nearest door. Door. Okay. Door. Yeah. Everybody give me a defy danger dexterity, um, just as you're making way out, just, like, <laughs> dodging the rats or, you know, shaking them off you. Uh, um, that would be a 13. Ooh. 12. Uh, 6. Mark your experience. I'm going to level up tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So as you are running, Leandros, I think you drop your um, rod of spell storage. Um, So you can go back for it, but like into the rats and get bit a lot more. Or you can keep going without it. Ah, damn. I'll go without it. Okay. I'll say that's that's um, that's enough of a loss for you then. So you are, you're able to make it out the rest of the way without the without the rod, but without any further injury. So you go through the room at the end of the hall, and there's a door outside. <laughs> Aww, Sorry, I'm gonna keep trying. <laughs> so this door opens up into a bedroom. As the door closes behind you. You can still kind of hear the rats back there scuttering around, but it is significantly quieter, and they do not appear to be coming through the door. In the room, there's a large wood frame bed with a, looks like a slightly rotted uh, feather mattress on it, 
a wardrobe is up against the wall on the right. A pair of iron candlesticks on a table next to the bed. A, there's a large sack in the corner of the room. And at the foot of the bed is a large wooden footlocker. And as you make your way into the room, there are still a few rats left on you. Kind of still just kind of clinging to you. I think... I think given the way that you guys made it out of the room, like, there's only a few left, and it's it's not a problem to just kind of, like, throw them down and stomp on them, if that's how you want to deal with them. In addition to the, the door you just came through, there is a door on the left in this room. What do you guys want to do? Can I, can I go over to the, the sack in the corner and just kind of nudge it with my gun? You sure can. It moves just a little bit with your nudge, but then doesn't move afterward. I'll check it out. There are 15 candles inside of it. Anybody want some candles? Yeah. <clears throat> Do they the appear keys magic? Aren't, keys aren't keys aren't keys aren't keys. Are they candles? Are <gasps> keys candles? <laughs> candle key? Candle. Can I take some time to study this eye real quick? Yep. It is a human eye. It looks remarkably oh. clean, given that it's not attached to a human head. It's also remarkably intact, given that, again, like it's not in the head. It's very cold to the touch, but I can tell an overview kind of study. Okay. Anything doesn't appear to be magical at all? Are you detecting magic on it? I'd like to detect magic on it, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Can I check the footlocker at the bed? After he does this, yeah. Ten. Just about everything around you has a kind of like a low-level magic rating off of it. But the eye definitely has a little bit more, and so do the ears in your pooch. Interesting. Were the ears happy to see the eye? <laughs> if they were, they, they kept it locked down. They are very stoic. Ear eye, ear eye. <laughs> they are very stoic. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> going back in the bag. I'm definitely hanging on to this. Okay. The footlocker uh, is unlocked. It contains a bow and a small quiver of arrows pair of leather boots that do seem a little bit magical. I will take those boots and detect magic on them. You're not going to take these boots from me, but you can detect magic on them. And I think you can tell that these are are magic. So you can put magic boots into your inventory. Okay. If you guys are looking around the room, which it sounds like you are, let me find another crumpled uh, piece of parchment. On this one, the, the same basic handwriting that you, you've seen on some of the other the other pieces of parchment. The lettering here is much more even, although it's a slightly more sloppy than that first one. Um, like, it's like a little bit more rushed. This one says, I haven't seen SK for days. The Drystons say he is sleeping, and it wouldn't be good for me to disturb him. They always say he is sleeping, no matter what time of day I ask. I keep getting lost when I try to find his room to speak to him for myself. I know it sounds crazy, but I swear the rooms seem to move. Like the house itself doesn't want me to. The rest of the message is lost into a stain that takes up most of the page. A stain that looks much too light to be ink, but far too dark to be anything other than ominous. Thank you for joining in our wild endeavors. If you haven't listened to our out-of-character episode and are wondering what happened to Elieff, 
this does mark a goodbye. Due to scheduling, having a newborn to care for, and other quote-unquote real-world responsibilities, Nick had to step back from this campaign. But he will be part of future endeavors with us. If you need a shoulder to cry on over Elief's departure, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Wild Endeavors. We are also there if you want to talk to us for any other reason. Of course, if you're enjoying our endeavors, it would mean the world to us if you let us know by subscribing, reviewing, rating, following, hearting, plus oneing, or tattooing our logo on yourself. If you're not quite ready for a tattoo yet, but are enjoying our adventures, we understand. Maybe just tell a friend about us. Bring someone else along to share in our journeys. As always, thanks to Kevin McLeod for the great music, and we hope you join us again next week. Thank you.